Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I, I'm trying to figure out here, do we know what L.A. is getting besides eating money and salary and like... Does, does that make you wonder about Carter Hart? Well, that might be a complete separate other deal, but you know who's got a great pulse for these sort of things? We're going to head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Daily face-offs, Frank Cervelli for Horse Race in Alberta, live thoroughbred racing back at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino every Friday and Saturday. For more information, head to thehorses.com. So here's what we know. We know that Ivan Provorov, who uh, made some news uh, a while ago when he refused to wear a pride jersey, Ivan Provorov, um, at one time considered a, a you know first pairing left shot D for the Flyers has been traded to Columbus. LA's in the deal. They have moved Kel Peterson and Sean Walker. They had the extra right shot D um, to the Philadelphia Flyers, and they're retaining money apparently on Provorov. Uh, and they get rid of the money on Peterson and Walker. Maybe they're retaining some there. I don't know. Let's bring Frank aboard and find out what Frank Saravalli knows from Daily Faceoff. Hello, Frank. How are you? Uh, Bob, I'm good. I've been chasing this for the last 45 minutes or an hour. I can fill you in based on what I know um, and what I believe to be true. Again, this is real time happening in the moment. Uh, Carter Hart, I heard Brendan ask, is not going to the LA Kings. Uh, I, in fact, I, I don't think the Flyers have made any sort of move with Carter Hart at all. Okay. That was the speculation that I saw on social media. The Flyers are getting back uh, multiple picks and a prospect uh, as part of this. I believe uh, the LA Kings first round pick that was originally sent to Columbus in the Gavrikov Corpusalo right. deal right. is going to Philly, so that's the later first round pick. Um, the number three overall pick is staying in Columbus. Right, right. So I know there was some questions and speculation about that. Uh, but I guess there's probably something also going from LA, a high priced pick, I would imagine. Uh, the Kings, of course, don't have their first, but. Um, maybe one in 2024, I would imagine, in order to clear out the salary for Peterson. That was a whopper of a deal. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot happening, a lot going on, but Flyers uh, getting picks and a prospect in return, I'd imagine probably a pretty good one, too. So you think they're getting L.A.'s number one from this uh, that went in the Corpusalo-Gavrikov deal. The belief is that the Kings are going to take a serious run at Gavrikov. Gavrikov and Roy had great analytics during the course of the regular season, and for that matter, even in the playoff series against Edmonton. Edmonton actually got to the other pairing, the Anderson-Dowdy pairing, a little bit as that series were on. Gavrikov and Roy were the better pairing. Uh, Walker was a healthy scratch for uh, you know large percentage of the. Yeah. I think he he might have played one game. I'm trying to recall here. Um, uh, interesting, interesting stuff. And so there is a chance that Philadelphia, on top of taking Cal Peterson and Sean Walker, 
Um, Philadelphia may end up getting two number ones out of this. You're thinking they're getting a number one for sure and possibly a second number one, you think? Yeah, and I think there's also a second-round pick in there as well. I mean, look, the Flyers are giving up uh, the best, at least to our knowledge right now, the best player in the deal in Provorov. Yeah. Um, You mentioned not only was he in line to be a first pair, he was viewed as a number one. He was the player selected with the exact pick before Zach Wierenski took, uh, Columbus took Zach Wierenski in that same draft. And, you know, Columbus has been very active looking for a defenseman. I reported this uh, two weeks ago that they were on the prowl for a defenseman uh, and were dangling that extra first-round pick that they had. So that was, you know, I'd suspect, again, part of the deal. Um, but the Flyers give up the best player in the deal and also take on the worst parts of it in a Cal Peterson contract that was unmovable before today and also a Sean Walker who's an extra body at almost $3 million bucks. So the return ought to be pretty healthy for Danny Briere and his group. Uh, that does give L.A. much-needed capital. Now, L.A.'s eating part of the salary for Columbus? Is that what we're hearing? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think that that was one of the initial reports. Mm. Um, definitely a little intriguing as to how or why that happens. But yeah, if you're getting Provorov in the fours or close to it, yeah. maybe five. That's that's a pretty significant discount for a guy who's just talking to some of his teammates in the last hour. A damn good player. Yeah, he is a good player. Uh, I don't think Philadelphia's done to you. I mean, they've basically got new... Here's the thing. No. Frank, Philadelphia has a new manager, Keith Jones and Daniel Briere. Pittsburgh has Dubas. The Leafs have Trey Living. The Flames have Conroy. Uh, there's there's some new guys impacting some decisions out here. There's limited cap space because of a limited jump for this year. Um, and we've had this discussion here on the show... The Oilers have made some significant additions over the last couple of years here. Hyman in free agency, Kane giving him a chance, and then in free agency, then the trade for Ekholm. You look at the base of what Edmonton's got, and you think to yourself, well, you know, maybe they don't make a a bigger move in the summer because they're close, but you can't discount anything. And I think you have to explore all options, don't you? Yeah, and I think that'll be the case. I think that's pretty much exactly what the Oilers are thinking about at this exact moment in time is we know we have a good team. We think in some ways we underachieved this year, not just in the postseason, but also in the regular season. Um, You know, really until January or so when this team took off, Connor McDavid mentioned the the turning point, um, that loss when they got their doors blown off in L.A. Um, That you know, up until that point, they had, you know, it'd been a roller coaster. So the regular season could have been more smooth. Uh, the playoffs obviously left you wanting. And so the core and foundational pieces are there. The pillars are in place. Now it's about accessorizing. Now it's about, uh, you know, outfitting your ridiculous home with a, 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 a man cave or a, a great sound system or something that is a really nice supporting piece to go along with, you know, one of the top houses on the market. Yeah, all right. So uh, I know you guys do sort of continuous trade boards and free agency boards mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Ottawa Senators, are they a total who's got any idea because of the ownership situation? Like, you're looking at Alex Duprinkit. 
Do you envision that Alex DeBrinkett would sign long-term with the Ottawa Senators? You know, I I read the report yesterday, and I was a little surprised on the hedge of him saying he wants to wait and see who is the man, basically the, yes. the next owner of the Sens. And then I wonder if in parentheses that really means who's the next manager, who's the next head coach. That's sort of the next domino to fall. And I understand that Pierre Dorian's doing business as usual, but the truth is it's a really tough trade to make for the Sens. They got they gave up the number seven overall pick last year plus a second and a third, and now one year later for a guy that didn't hit the goal total that he had the previous year and the expectations that were set, still had a good year, but is due a massive qualifying offer. The Sens are essentially right now in the same exact situation that the Calgary Flames were last year with Matthew Kachuk. You have this American-born player who... You know, some wonder whether he wants to be there or not. Uh, doesn't, unlike Kachuk, doesn't have the history of playing in the market um, quite like Matthew did. And in this case, the real tough part to figure for the Sens is they have so many other players in their organization already that are signed to $8 million cap hits. You know, you've got Stutzla and Norris and Shabbat and... You know, you're going to need to pay all these guys plus then add in the Brinkett and factor in what the next contract looks like for Jake Sanderson. Like, there's a lot of pieces to put together, and all of a sudden the Sens become a really top-heavy team if you were to re-sign him long-term. So I think there's an argument to be made to not sign him long-term, um, but it's also a difficult deal to make. Maybe you see if you can convince him on a one-year deal, even if that walks into free agency, to just maybe get a better feel of what it's like to play there and see some more success. For the horses and horse racing in Alberta from Daily Faceoff, Frank Saravalli. Frank, another Canadian team, the Vancouver Canucks. They actually have the highest uh, expected cap at this time for next season. They're they're actually over the cap for next year. And they got another, you mentioned American guy, J.T. Miller, at eight million bucks, Pedersen's got a year left on a deal at seven point three five. Then he's a restricted free agent. Two years left in Besser. They just re-upped Kuzmenko, and Garland's got three years left. There is something got to give, and that doesn't include Ekman Larson and Myers on defense. Is something got to give in Vancouver? Do you think? Yes, um, they've been working feverishly the last few weeks to try and move Connor Garland. Um, I don't know how much success they've had uh, because they found, at least according to the teams that I've spoken to, the asking price to be significant. Um, and understandably so. Like I like Connor Garland as a player. I think it's a combination of cap hit and term. That teams, um, no one wants to give anyone a, a life raft here, a, a get-out-of-jail-free card when you're in this cap situation. And for a team that you, from the day that Jim Rutherford took over at his press conference and Patrick Alvine, they'd been talking about finding cap flexibility. And instead, last year, they made moves that I think they probably felt like they had to. The opportunity to get a Philip Aronic that came together as an absolute shock to people in Detroit and Vancouver. But you, you get a player like Aronic, and that's great. But first off, you need to pay him because he's up in one year's time. And second, You've added additional salary beyond him. You've added Beauvillier, and you re-signed Kuzmenko. And instead of 
you know, getting rid of salary and trading, um, you know, Bo Horvat as they did, they've still got all the rest of their pieces there and have added to the pot, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. So something has to give. I don't think it's going to be by way of a buyout. And I think the JT Miller question that you ask is almost a break glass in case of emergency. Check the prices on everyone else. Find out what you can get in return for value for JT Miller. And if you find the other ones to be unpalatable, then at least you know if need be, you can move JT Miller. I still think that's a bit of a long shot in the sense that the mandate for the Canucks is to be as competitive as possible and try and be a playoff team again next season. If you're trading JT Miller, that just pushes you further away. Could the New York Islanders with Lou Lamarillo, he didn't do a lot last year, kind of just, then he went and stepped up and obviously got Bo Horvat. Could they be a team potentially looking at shaking some things up? I put the Islanders in the only God and Lou no category because that's the truth. Yeah, um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know more about the New York Islanders. Lou Lamorello doesn't talk. He doesn't share what he's thinking. And anyone that he's in conversation with, um, he, you know, there's a there's an agreement in place that none of that information is shared elsewhere. So good as good, your guess is as good as mine. I would think, though, based on the way that this is all unfolded, that they they need a change. They can't score. They're old, they're slow, and they're in a spot where they, they're pot committed with all the term that they have that they, they need to shake it up, but it's not really going to be easy to do so. And they're facing the prospect that their team actually gets worse in the short term because they have UFAs like Scott Mayfield um, that are going to cost more. Frank, the Chicago Blackhawks have 14 picks in the first three rounds of the next two years. They're at like 45... That yeah, that's it. They're at like 45 million bucks. Uh, they also had three number ones last year. I don't know. Did you watch it in the Memorial Cup, by the way? Uh, in bits and pieces. Because I can tell you, Korchinski was quite uh, unimpressive uh, to me. Uh, he, I, Wow. Seventh overall pick coming back. I, I expect a guy to dominate games, and he didn't. Like Zellweger, a second rounder, he dominated when he was out there. Korchinski didn't for me. That, that Seattle had a bunch of guys that underperformed uh, come crunch time in that tournament. That's part of the reason. They also got out coached. It's part of the reason why they lost ultimately. Um, I'm just I'm looking at Chicago here. They are going to spend some money, aren't they? Oh, yeah. They have to. They have to spend money to get to the floor. I don't think they're going to go crazy. They're $20 million under the floor, just so the listeners are aware. Yeah, so my expectation is to better support Connor Bedard. What they're going to do is either take on a couple unpalatable contracts in exchange for additional capital and assets, and or they're going to overpay guys on one-year short-term deals to come to Chicago and play with Connor Bedard. Uh, they're not, I don't expect them to be big game hunting in the free agent market, but you know, they might pay a guy an additional one or two or 3 million bucks, whatever the case may be on the player um, to, to just add to their roster to have you give him a chance to have a good rookie season and a solid footing in the NHL. 
Uh, is Taze, he's done there, right? They, that, that yes, sh- that Taze ship is, and Kane are both done there, not they're, resigning. They're not resigning there. So let's take that. Well, it's going to be interesting to uh, watch what happens. Uh, why are the New York Rangers so steadfast in having an experienced coach? Probably because of the mandate that comes from ownership to win. And look, Chris Drury made the decision to hire Gerard Gallant. I don't know how many bullets you get in New York with that ownership group, but I can tell you that that ownership group was fired up in November and December when that team was off to a slow start. And as much as Chris Drury is probably intrigued and, and the rest of the league is with someone like Chris Knobloch and the work that he's done in Hartford, for a team that went to the conference final two years ago and went backward this year, they can't afford to get it wrong. And for whatever reason, NHL GMs, especially when their seat begins to get a little hot, they tend to go with the experienced uh, guy that that they feel like can give them a security blanket. Well, I'm here to tell you the best thing that uh, one of the best things Ken Holland did uh, and, you know, he wasn't the only one in the organization that was thinking that way, but one of the best things they did was promote Jay Whitcroft. And I just, you know, I, I look at a guy like Knobloch, and I'm like, I think he's yeah. exactly what the Rangers need. Seattle, could they be an interesting team here as well to watch? I mean, we mentioned Chicago. Anaheim's going to have lots of money. New Jersey's got a couple key guys. Do you, do you expect them to get both uh, Meyer and Bratt signed to extensions? It's going to be interesting because I think the cap space would indicate that they have the ability to do so. Yes. But the the Devils are going to have to pay for Brat. Um, they really, I think, made a tactical error last summer not getting him done on a longer-term deal. They seem to think that everything's under control and they can do it, but it's going to end up costing them a lot more than it would have cost last year with another 73 point season and a pretty special player. Timo Meyer, for whatever reason, never really took off in New Jersey and the playoffs were especially disappointing uh, for him. Now I wonder if they, they attempt to sign him for a longer term deal at a number that's lower than the qualifying offer that's due. Right. Um, what kind of leverage does the does the Meyer camp have? And if all of this math doesn't come together, are the Devils in a spot where they could maybe flip Meyer to someone else now? Not saying that's going to happen. I still think the likeliest solution is that the Devils have both guys back. But the truth is they have choices to make, and getting all those guys signed to long-term deals is not going to be cheap. So Berkey and Hextall, that combination, they got really lucky when St. Louis took Kasperi Kapanen, but then they turned around and traded for Granlund, uh, who mm-hmm. is not – I mean, if you look at the buyout, it's uh, 8.33, then 1, 1.8 million, 1.8 million, 1.8 million. It's not impossible. It's not impossible, especially since we think there could be a 3 to $4 million raise in the cap a year from now. What do you think? Uh, and by the way, I'm still not convinced that the cap isn't going up this summer. You're still oh, so you think it might be more than a million this year? Yeah, I think having been to enough of these press conferences and covered enough of the lockouts over the years, 
this was a negotiating tactic, I believe. Throw some red meat to the players, allow them to hear at your state of the league press conference that the cap's only going up a year and see what the reaction is within the NHLPA. I know that the PA doesn't have any interest in raising or tinkering with the escrow caps that are currently negotiated. Yep. But I think there's a way to do it, even with the NHL's concerns that Valley Sports and the regional sports networks in the U.S. um, may go into default, and that would result in hundreds of millions of dollars of lost revenue in HRR. That said, um, sources indicated to me that when the NHL and PA met, I think almost two weeks ago, two weeks ago tomorrow in New York, yep. that they one of the things they did speak about was a $3 million increase. So it's, it's possible and still out there, and we've got about 25 days, 20 days to figure it out, three weeks. Uh, all right. Frank, awesome stuff. Again, the Flyers have uh, moved Ivan Provorov in a three-way deal to Columbus. Uh, multiple reports suggesting L.A. retaining 30% in the three-way deal on Provorov. Uh, for the and King. to repeat, Carter Hart not going anywhere so you, right uh, now. Right now. Do you, I don't think Philly's done. Do you think Philly's done? No. I think this is just the beginning of the teardown. Okay. And they need to get to the bottom as quickly as they can. Really? Hmm. Interest, yep. interest. That's, that's the plan for Danny Briere and Keith Jones. You know who I love Get in Philadelphia? There's a guy in Philadelphia I love. You know that. Who's that? Connect. Me? Well, I lo- yeah, I'm a big fan <laughs> of Frank Saravalli. Uh Travis Konechny. Two yeah, years. really good player. Someone Two. that had an excellent year this last year. Two years left at $5.5 million. Love him. Love him. a bargain. Yeah, great player. Frank, awesome stuff. Thank you for your time. Take care, Bob. That is Frank Cervalli for the Horses and Horse Racing, Alberta Live Thoroughbred Racing, back at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino every Friday and Saturday. For more information, head to thehorses.com. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that Oilers now sent you. You can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, and we'll be back in two minutes' time on Oilers Now. Yes. I did say, Brendan, there's a guy in Philly I absolutely love. And what did Frank say? Who's that? Me? <laughs> what a beauty. Uh, no, Travis Konechny. I've, I love Travis Konechny. I mean, if, if Travis Konechny is a better version to me of Tyler Bertuzzi, who Boston, by the way, is trying to sign. And because Boston's trying to sign Tyler Bertuzzi, that's why yours truly thinks something else might shake with uh, they I mean, they got they got some decent wingers. Taylor Hall's a former Hart uh, Trophy winner there. Jake DeBrusque has had multiple 20-goal seasons there. Pretty good player, can play either wing. Interesting. Do you know what else he said right at the end? He basically said Philadelphia's trying to tear it down. Get to that's an interesting thing that they're gonna go on that route. Hmm. Well it worked for Chicago, didn't it? And yeah. not that there's Connor Bedard next year, but my goodness. Well, a couple of years. Yeah. The Oilers now injury reports brought to you all season long by James H. Brown injury lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown is a two time CFL All Star, won a great cup in ninety three with the Edmonton Eskimos. And James H. Brown, uh they've got over two hundred and fifty years of experience. It's as simple. They're the best. They get you the best results. Off to a global news weather traffic update with uh 
uh, Randy Kilburn. And then, Brendan, it's it's going to be you and me for a bit. Then we're going to take some texts and take some calls. We'll open up the River Cree Resort Casino hotline. Do you stay status quo or do you look to wheel and deal? You tell us on the River Cree Resort Casino hotline, 780-496-0063, when we return on Oilers Now.